Quantum Rabbit, a Frankensound podcast. So I had a significant injury um, about 18 months before this show. I was moving a glass coffee table um, and I slipped and the coffee table broke and a piece of glass cut my left arm in half. So I severed 10 tendons, the ulnar artery and ulnar nerve in my left arm and was told two weeks after surgery I'd never play bass again. I'd struggled to try and find an impetus to play and then your show came up and for basically six months of rehearsals I was learning to play with a hand I could only feel two fingers in and taught myself to use um, the muscles in my forearm to move my fingers because my hand muscles no longer worked. I taught myself to play bass after being told I could never play it again. That's my friend Rolf. The show he's talking about was one of my favourite ever musical projects. There's quite a few other people involved in this one, and in this episode we'll be hearing from just a few of them. But due to the nature and maybe even the name of the project, all of us, for a little while, we kind of all became a little bit like a family. There seemed to be a lot more at stake with this than maybe there actually was in retrospect, but it became so important that it made the potential for embarrassing failure worth the risk. I'm going to try and unpack why this project was special, because... It's not immediately obvious. It was a musical event among many musical events at the Perth Fringe Festival in 2015. Part of the difference here, though, might be this event brought together 20 or 30 musicians at various times, many of whom had never worked together before. This wasn't just a rehearsal and performance process. It was much more unpredictable, and this also made it a little bit scary, especially because when we started... There was no plan. Episode 8. Brothers and Sisters. I'd done a bit of research, that is, chatting to friends. Everyone I spoke to about this potential project had a similar response. They thought it was a good idea. And not in the way of like, yeah, it's good. You know, that high-pitched tone that sounds like it's probably covering the truth somehow. They don't think it's a good idea. But if they say, that's a good idea, it gives you a bit more confidence that they're not just bullshitting or humouring you. So I was talking to Joe. He's in a band I'm with called Stony Joe. And we'd been talking for a while about doing a gig one day in the distant future where we played the soundtrack to the famous year 2000 Coen Brothers film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh Brother Where Art Thou was one of Joe's favourite movies. That and Terminator 2 or something. But really, just about everyone I know is very familiar with this movie. I haven't seen the movie still. (laughs) But Mikey had at least listened to the album. Over time, we kind of thrashed that album and James and I would sing it in the car while it was playing and do the harmonies. So I ended up kind of knowing the album pretty well. Seen the movie, loved it because it was based on Homer's Odyssey loosely. 
um, a man goes off basically to war or to jail. He's his wife's in trouble and then does anything he can to get back out. And that had a lot of similarities in my life. It was such the timing, man, because I'd started getting into writing folk music and it was because of that album. I saw your post on Facebook. I was just like jumping in. I thought, oh, that'd be awesome fun to just have a crack at some of these songs, which I've loved. I was just doing bits of singing here and there with friends and was just sounded uh, exactly right up my alley, I guess. I hadn't really performed in like five years. It was kind of like a kick in the ass as well. You know, you can't try out your own metal if you don't have a go. If you sit back on your hands and wonder, so yeah, t- just jumped in. In the past, I'd been in lots of, dare I say, musicals, <laughs> which might make you shudder. I realise that does. So naturally, yes, I was very interested. Well, Stony Joe had been discussing this show concept for a while, but hadn't really got anything off the ground. We're a little bit lazy sometimes, so we thought maybe we could get some other performers to help. And then individually... It'd be less work. So I put a little post up for an old-timey jam, maybe leading to a show at the Fringe Festival. Not fully understanding at that point how this show would take on a life of its own. About 25 people replied straight away, wanting to be involved. At the time, I also had access to a huge old school building called CIA, or the Centre for Interdisciplinary Arts. Art? Arts. Art, I think. Anyway, CIA sounds cooler. That space was amazing. It was just a beautiful old space and it just, I don't know, it felt right for what we were doing. It's a scary building and it's a weird building. It's always like the kind of place you wouldn't want to get left behind when everybody had left. Uh, it wasn't that scary, but there were plenty of nooks and crannies and it made the place perfect for some workshopping. I felt like I was going on a music camp and you've got to fit in with people that arrive and just sort of you've got to come up with something. That was Joe. He's describing a bit of that first night. We followed a trusted workshop format. Split into small groups, choose a song, take 15 minutes of rehearsal time and then come back and play your rendition of your chosen song to the rest of the group. We did this about three times and it's probably best described as creative chaos. CIA Studios, it's a big open hall and you've got 20 or 30 people there all broken up into groups and totally chaos, but organised. It's, it's got to be a little bit uncomfortable. You have to be put outside of your comfort zone. I saw all these just random people. I was a bit anxious because I'm nervous because I didn't know anyone. I thought, well, I'll just show up and see how we go. I found everyone to be quite warm and friendly and put my name down on the whiteboard on a thousand different songs. We just broke out into groups and everyone just sort of tagged along and I'll fill in here. And we had three or four core songs that came together quite nicely. Mm. So many good songs. It really brought my love of folk out, hey. And like singing in close harmony and just like, I feel like this really brought the songs to a new level for me, obviously, performing and rehearsing it and an opportunity to sing with other people. I think I remember coming away feeling like I had overstated in my own mind and perhaps in front of people how much I even knew the material. The origins of some of these folk songs are said to date back some 200 or 300 years. A lot of people have got to know them in that time, and it was reasonable to assume that our potential audience would like to hear these musical pieces performed really well. And if I'm being honest, as self-appointed 
musical director, I was a little worried. You see, some of the tracks were working really well, and others, well, they needed practice. It became obvious to me that we needed costumes. Black pants, a uh, bullet belt, black shirt, black cowboy hat with sheriff on it, a pistol I had on the side, and my motorcycle boots that I put um, chains on. I was the evil devil sheriff. So it kind of had this sort of farm boy look in mind. Just a pair of boots, pair of overalls, a white t-shirt and some little granny glasses. I was in a sort of 30s attire, I guess, more going out Sunday dress. I got bits and pieces from op shops and sort of did a bit of, you know, safety pinning. <laughs> and I rocked up with my grandmother's old purse, a little handbag. Like a high-waisted skirt and a white top with music notes on it. I think that's what I wore. I also asked everyone to have an action to go with their costume and newfound persona for when they weren't performing, but still standing on the stage. I kept a little hip flask in my bag. I must have been like the boozer, uh, the old... <laughs> I don't think you were <laughs> The single lady boozer sitting up there looking a bit hoity-toity, but you know. At the end of that first song, boots stomping in the background just stomped up on stage and stood on the speaker box. There were people playing cards and gambling and sort of walk around and go, I can't play cards here. Suzanne was doing some baking. She was kneading bread. There was even like a cradle nearby. I might have been um, rocking a, a pram at one stage, but I think that was someone else's prop. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I have the baby? Did I have a baby? Was you it might me? have been looking after the baby at some point. I think I was. I was looking after the baby at one point. Yes, I forgot about that. The very last um, song on the album, everyone is up on stage singing, and I'm the last person. So I'm standing there, and I undo my gun belt, and I throw it down on the ground, and I join into the back of the um, choir. It's very symbolic, as in um, you can't win over evil. So in the end, evil has to just give in and, and work for good. The cool thing about that was that I met new people. Dave Lawrence, Brad Jeffrey, Mikey Jones. Brad plays in my band now, um, and we hadn't met before that gig. Walked away with a bunch of new friends, people who uh, I wouldn't have normally come across. And reconnecting with old people happened a bit, so. You know, it's like everyone's battling through this like repertoire, trying to make something you know, that ultimately people are going to pay money to see. And it's like, that's a, that's a big responsibility. And there's moments there, you're like, can we even do this? Like, we're all so different and we're all, like, you know, different stages in our lives and have different responsibilities outside of, like, music. And, you know, personalities, yeah, yeah, there's a few personalities sort of, you know, but that's part of being in a massive group of people. It, it, it turned out quite nicely for, for everyone, as far as everyone getting on with each other. That's music collaborating with people. And you know what, like, you either get it or you don't. And, uh, and everyone got it. It was remarkable, actually, like, that many people all on the same page. 
didn't change anything for me. Yeah, it brought a whole heap of people into my life that I wouldn't have been there before. It's good. I, I, did it change anything for me? Yes. It's so enjoyable. Like, I, it, it gave me a new connection with music, like, that you can do things for fun. You know, because at the time I was like, music was like a slog. And I was like working so hard to get somewhere in a music career and like now it was just something I could do for myself, for the enjoyment of singing and for the enjoyment of being with people. I have never gone back to the slog. Like just recently, I've just finished my second record for Simone and Garfunkel and I feel really different about music now. Like we're still going and we're still doing what we love, but it's like you can work so hard. You can go really, really hard and you can get nothing but it depends, your, the journey is kind of, is your reward, but until you've gone through that, you don't really realise that's what's happening. It wasn't a complete failure, no. It was a success. <laughs> Glass half empty. Anyway. I, I've still got photos of it. I just love looking back at it. Two on two. Brothers and Sisters, the music of Oh Brother Where Art Thou, performed three sold-out shows at the 2015 Perth Fringe Festival. And one more farewell show at the bakery in Northbridge, which is no longer there. You heard from, in order of appearance, Rolf Lytle, me, Rolly Skender, Mikey Jones, Ivan Jan Piero, Donna Iverson, Kate Jensen, Joe Schultz, Carl Jensen and Bridget Turner. You also heard some recordings in the background from the rehearsals and the show. Brothers and sisters are, or were, or are, Jonathan Brain, Claire Coleman, Ivan Jan Piero, Chris Horan, Suzanne Engelbrecht, Donna Iverson, Brad Jeffrey, Carl Jensen, Kate Jensen, Mikey Jones, Dave Lawrence, Rolf Lydell, Rosie Logie. Special thanks for co-opting the younger siblings, singers, that's Sophie, Neve, and Cedar. Janelle Morse, Joe Schultz, Elisa Sapola, Rolly Skender, Aaron Sopolinski, Sarah Tout, and Bridget Turner. Let us know what you thought of this show. Thanks for listening.